Welcome to episode 171 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Not much. We're getting up there. Yeah, closing in on magic number 200. Yeah, in like a year. Uh, 30 days. That's 30, that's 30 weeks. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's a long, it's a long time. Uh, middle of uh, middle of next year. You know what's probably going to happen, though? There'll probably be a few weeks where a couple will go through, and on those weeks we'll have... Uh, yeah. We'll double up, so no we'll worries. We'll say it now. We should plan something. Well, I think we said that a few times before we got to 100 as well, and we didn't plan it. Yeah, 100 whatever. 200 sounds more impressive, so we'll we'll do something. We'll just figure it out. All right. I just wanted like to it. say that on record so that people can make fun of us later. Which they will. Yeah. Um, you had some pedantic corrections for TPMS? Um, yeah. Let me pull them up real quick. <clears throat> I don't know that necessarily they're pedantic corrections, but they were definitely... All corrections are pedantic. Yeah. Actually. Uh, I think they were sent through Messenger, so... The worst episode ever. They totally yeah, we had a got few... TPMS wrong. We had a few um, people come back at us with some stuff, so no, no, and it was good. Here. It's good. I I tease, but it was good information. Yeah, it, it made yeah. No, I always I, I always want it back. I always want info back. Um, can you pull it up on your end? Did you go to that? I don't remember where it came through. I'm not prepared here. Unfortunately, what it topic, sounds like uh, messenger on Instagram or Facebook. Facebook. Well, all right. Um, so. And then one of the other things, like, uh, you know, the thing with TBMS, you kind of introduce a complex system into an already complex system, which is the car. So you've just introduced another failure point of the TBMS system versus, like, just letting tires go flat. Right. Because, you know, I remember in Driver's Ed, back in my day, um, they actually reminded everyone that you should check your tire pressure and like clean your windshield like basic stuff like that but i mean even at the most basic as long as you're going to a reputable place for an oil change they should be putting air in your tires yeah they should be doing a general check over of the vehicle and then the we've talked about it quickly because this is such a foreign thing to me but where you live in the hot weather state of uh you know the surface of the sun out there in phoenix they actually was it discount tire will do a courtesy check of your tire pressure for free yeah customer or not yeah so like there's no excuse to like not have the proper air pressure in your tires especially out there do you find it uh, um i honestly facebook messenger when you have a business account is impossible to find sometimes Well, we can skip it and uh, go back because I think I well, know there were, it is. Well, we had a couple of comments about it. Basically, that the uh, TPMS software is actually pretty complex to do the wheel speed one. Yes. Uh, it seems like it will be very simple, but apparently very simple is not what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason that we haven't seen it so much in other vehicles. Because in our brain, we're like, oh, it's just wheel speed. It's fine. But what actually is happening is the wheel speed is one thing, but the problem is there's other factors to consider, um, which is the 
you know, a car on a long turn, you know, the inside wheels are going to be spinning at a slower rate than the outside wheels and, and stuff along those lines creates a lot more complex complexities to the system. Oh, right. So the, the software is also going to have to be taking into account like the steering angle sensor because it's going to say, okay, you're making a long right turn. So the, yeah. The outside left wheels are moving faster and the inside wheels are moving slower. I'm not going to set a TPMS light. Correct. Yeah. And on top of that, it also has to factor in the difference between wheel speed and road noise, which is something else that it would it would be an issue, I guess, the way it works. Huh. Because it can, it can send false readings because of noise transmitted through the sensors. Interesting. Um, and also, there has to be a two to three PSI variance on the between tire to tire, I guess, is the federal standard. So there's a few different things that cause it to be not um, as simple as you would think it might be. Yeah, this is all from uh, Santiago. Dropped us a Yes. The- yeah, no, he knows a lot about engineering because I think he's in that, uh, in that yeah, world. Yeah, he's one of our several OEM uh, people. Some, several yeah. of our listeners that work for OEM. So. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he has a little more in the know. He actually was also the gentleman that corrected us on our uh, seatbelt conversation about the uh, locking mechanisms. Yeah, the inertia reel. Yep. So he, he gave us a lot of information about how the TPMS sensors work and why running them off of ABS sensors isn't just as simple as, hey, this wheel is spinning different than this wheel. So there's a lot of, a lot of factors. Sure does make it nice for the end user, though. It does. As far as the uh, user experience goes, it's much easier. Yeah. I don't ever have to think about it. It just works. And it's funny because I think we talked about it before. I had false readings on mine when I was driving on a dirt road. Oh, right. So that could be a combination of wheels spinning at different rates because of loose surfaces and because of road noise. So that could all be it. And he says, you know, ultimately what might happen is it's such a complicated system to engineer that the main thing holding it back might just be patent law. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in the future with that. But as it stands right now, where uh, the systems will probably stay the way they are for the foreseeable future. All right, cool. Yeah, so interesting tidbits. It's always nice to learn new facts about things that you may or may not have known about before. So, um, Cannonball. What? Before we get to Cannonball... Yeah. I do have one more subject I wanted to touch on that was based on a conversation that we had about the Tesla truck and then Teslas in general. Okay. We had a couple of comments, uh, a couple of things that we said that uh, a couple of different listeners have talked about and you actually have researched a little more, uh, one of which was the charging end. Like, is it a universal system, like a gas pump? Sort of. Okay. Um, so what's the breakdown on that? There's level one and two connectors, which have an SAE okay. standard. Okay. Uh, and then there's level three connectors. One is, uh, I think I'm pronouncing it properly. It's got uh, three capital letters, C-H-A, then lowercase D-E, and then uppercase M-O. So, Chad Demo. And okay. There's Ch- S- and there's SAE Combo, also called C-C-S for Combo Charging System. And uh, that's the most common, it says, uh, used by connectors, uh, used by electric car manufacturers. Um, They're not interchangeable. Uh, And then um, 
but like uh, a Tesla will come with an adapter for these, so a Tesla can use these. So a Tesla can use the SAE standard ones. Up for level three, they'll come with an adapter. But then there are Tesla-specific ones that are only for Tesla vehicles. So if you see a Tesla supercharging station at a gas station, that charger is strictly for Teslas only. Right. Now, uh, that makes sense because if Tesla is the only one putting out the effort to build a charging network for their product, then sure, they can be proprietary with their connector, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, that's what doesn't uh, make sense to me. So, like, oh, I guess it's probably because they haven't been regulated yet. So, like, Tesla's kind of like the early adopter thing, right? They, they're they just trying to push the technology. We talked about this before. I guess right. it's going to probably come down to taking regulations. And when uh, U.S. meant the big three are forced to build electric cars, then they'll build the network to go with it. It's unless they're just waiting that's the other thing they seem to be just be waiting for someone else to do it um and like you know tesla couldn't because they wouldn't sell any cars if you couldn't use them anywhere correct well now that's that's the question i have now is these vehicles like the new uh mustang coming out yeah can you go on a road trip with that because you can't charge it at a tesla supercharger well you're gonna have to find one that uses a level three but it's a universal level three and that's less common right now. Yeah. Okay. But maybe, maybe this is the, I know a few years ago, Ford sort of rebranded itself as a quote unquote mobility company. Okay. Um, so maybe there is a, a, a push and they're going to start doing their own charging stations. Um, I did read a thing in Jalopnik. Uh, I, didn't, I never really thought about it in a area that is, you know, dense with Tesla's especially in like Southern California, you'll end up sitting in what's like a gas pump line, like when there's no gas. Yeah, I guess that was a huge issue or Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, that's kind of bananas. Um, yeah. And then like out of nowhere, if these Tesla, like they'll, like Tesla monitors all this stuff, if the stations start to fail, like they have to bring out their big diesel truck generator to charge these things, which is kind of crazy. It kind of adds to the... It completely eliminates the purpose of having an electric car. Yeah, but it like really adds to like that Bond villain-esque type thing where it's like, I'll just send my minions out with... With polluting diesels. To charge these cars. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But even Tesla can't build enough. They haven't built enough chargers. They just need to build more. But why somebody hasn't got into this game yet and then... Why, like, I mean, I guess from an oil company standpoint, you're like, I don't want to put myself out of business, but it seems like there's money to be made in this if you had the capital to start it. Which, who has more capital than an oil company? Yeah, exactly, right? You'd think you'd step in and, like, you could be the, like, for a while, you could probably be the only game in town with charging stations. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with just being the... um you know, the older technology, they don't want to push the new stuff. They don't think it's an issue. They don't think that they should put any money into it because it's not actually going to be something in the future. I guess, but you've already got the properties for gas stations. Right. So if you're, if they're not like an independently owned gas station, if they're owned by, oh, that's another good question. I don't know if every, 
gas station is independently owned. I know a lot of them are, especially around where I live here. Uh, yep. I don't know how many are corporate owned, like where out where you are, where like QTs or what were the other ones? The Circle Ks. I think the QTs are franchised. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I don't know. But that Circle would, K is like nationwide. Yeah, I mean that would be a, a difference too. You can't force a franchisee necessarily. You you can. There are ways, but it's kind of kind of crappy to treat them that way. Um, but yeah, it would seemingly like a corporate controlled all the gas stations. They could start adding uh, electrical vehicle, electrical vehicle chargers there. I mean, it make, it makes sense, and I understand what you're coming from. I just like I said, I think it's just kind of the uh, old way of thinking. They can't get their head wrapped around changing that. I don't know. I feel like big companies like that like to make money, and they're looking for new ways to make money all the time. Right, but that's where where does the line draw between spending the money and making the money? So how much do you have to spend in order to make to make it worth it? Well, Tesla has all these superchargers out there, and the majority of cars on the road right now are Teslas. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, they make less money on Tesla superchargers than they would on their own proprietary ones. Okay, so I had a question. I think you had the answer to it. Is what, what does it cost to use a Tesla supercharger if you own a Tesla? So there's a couple of answers to that question. Um, the national average to, to use a supercharger to fill your car is about $20 to $25 That's pretty at cheap. a stop. It's pretty cheap, but still, I thought part of the appeal for a Tesla was the theoretically driving across country for zero dollars and zero cents. Um, so I asked a listener of ours, Ron, who owns a Tesla, to uh, see if he'd give me the correct answer. Um, and he says that when you bought your Tesla, he doesn't remember the exact price of the set of, of the option. It might have been like a couple thousand dollars. If you paid for the option. Your Tesla supercharger stops would be free for the life of the car. And that's transferable from owner to owner. So when he was shopping for them, because um, he bought a used one, he wanted to make sure he got one that had um, that free supercharger option, which obviously makes the car worth a few thousand dollars more even on the used market. So what happens is... Say you wanted to drive your Tesla from Boston to Chicago. Okay. Um, a week to kill. <laughs> no, it doesn't take much time, more time than driving a regular car. Well, you got to make 20-minute charging stops, but I guess how long does it take? How long does it take you to get gas? Oh, if I'm in a hurry by myself, 10 minutes. Okay, so Five add minutes. a little more time. Let Add a little more time to that. So what happens is you set your your start at your destination, uh, and it finds a route along the, a route from A to B that has enough charging stations to make it work for you. Now, I guess the way it works is the first 20 minutes of charge is... So, so say if your car gets 250 miles to a uh, tank of electricity. Okay. <laughs> an electric charge. So say your car gets 250 miles to electric charge, which is like a base model, early Model S. Um, what will happen is it will find fuel stations that the first one will be 225 miles from your starting point with a full battery. Okay. But then because the last 20% of the battery fill takes the longest. Right. It's not, it's not like filling a gas tank where it doesn't matter how much is in there. It's going to dump it at the same rate. 
once the batteries are up to a certain percentage, 75 or 80 percent, that last 25, 20 percent takes a lot longer to get into the car. So from that point forward, it'll set your stops at 180 miles. So it'll make you stop every 180 miles for the next, you know, however many stops you need to make. So worst case scenario, you're running 3,000 miles from coast to coast, right? So if you're doing 3,000 miles and you're doing 200, say average 200 miles a stop, you have 15 stops. Yeah. You know, times what, 20 minutes? Yeah. So what's that come out to? 15 times 20 is what, 300? Yeah. And then 300, 300 minutes divided by 60. Divided by 60. So that's five hours of stops that's from coast to coast. Right. But you're not going to, that's assuming you're driving nonstop. Uh, oh, 100%. I mean, obviously you're stopping the, the food stops. And at a food stop, if you're going to take 30 minutes to an hour, you can charge the car all the way up. Um, and obviously you park the car overnight, you're going to charge it all the way up. So those are different, there's different variables, obviously. But I mean, to drive from Boston to Los Angeles and only have five hours of theoretical stopping time isn't that big of a deal no and i was just thinking when you're saying 180 miles roughly when i do long road trips I get 200 about, miles is the number yeah i get to about a half yeah. a tank in the car which can yeah. be 150 to 180 maybe 200 if i'm being good yep and by that point i need to go to the bathroom and i want to walk around yeah. for a few minutes as a as a general rule i go 200 miles yeah um because that's when i even if I feel like I should be going further, I I try to force myself to stop every 200 miles, just get out and stretch, just because it it eliminates a lot of that fatigue. Um, and maybe the first you know run of the day, I'll go three or four hours, whatever. But that one, that 200 mile average, 200 mile average is usually you know a good few hours, and you you want to move, you want to circulate your the, the blood in your legs, and not you know have your legs fall asleep and be uncomfortable and have a sore back and. It's just it's 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 the best way to do it. So I was thinking about that the other day too, and I was talking to Ron about the mileage, and I was like, yeah, 180 miles is reasonable because 200 miles is my number anyway. So totally fine. Yeah, and that's the other thing with range anxiety that people talk about. Well, what makes you comfortable? Because if I can get an electric car that'll do 300 miles, then I'm fine. Because 300 miles, that's back and forth to work for the entire week, and then some. Right. Like, that's a tank of, uh, tank of gas gets me, actually, in the WRX, uh, tank of gas gets me, like, maybe 250. So, um, in Stephanie's car, it gets a little bit better mileage. That'll do, like, 300. So, anywhere between 250 and 300 is pretty darn reasonable for a charge. Yeah, I, I, I do about 250 miles a week to and from work. It's about 25 miles each way. Yeah. So, oh wait, no, 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 sorry, it's not. That's a lot. It's twenty-five minutes. I'm confusing time and distance. Time and uh, time and distance here again. It's like thirteen miles. So I don't do anywhere near that. So what's that? Thirteen. It's one hundred thirty miles. So yeah, if I had a car that did two hundred miles, I wouldn't have an issue driving all week. Exactly. So, and obviously, I have a car that gets five hundred miles to a tank. So I never stop. For, never stop for fuel anymore. <laughs> Which is kind of nice. I go to the gas station for coffee. <laughs> All right, so speaking of driving nonstop, yep. Cannonball. Yes. Uh, started in Can- the... Cannonball, Cannonball Baker's Sea to Shiny Sea. Yeah. So made famous by uh, Brock Yates and then later on the cheesy 80s movie with Burt Reynolds. Um, yep. It was actually supposed to be more of a serious movie, but they ended up thinking it would be funnier 
as a comedy. Well, most things are usually funnier as a comedy. Yeah. Um, you say cheesy like it's a bad thing. No. Um, no I, don't. I, abs- I just want people to know that that's a great movie and you should watch it. I'm assuming that they've seen it if they're listening to this podcast. I hope they every, have. Every car guy should see that movie. It's actually a funny story. It's not available on streaming anywhere right now. Weird. Um, and I actually, I just ordered it on Amazon like a month ago because I wanted to watch it. Because <laughs> I haven't seen it in so many years. It's like $6 on Amazon for a copy of it. So the Brock Gates book is pretty interesting. Uh, he does like the beginning of it where he's driving with Dan Gurney. And then a bunch of it afterwards is other anecdotes from people that also did the, uh, they do like a quote unquote, unquote race. Um, and it was really to protest like 50 mile, 55 mile an hour speed limits and, uh, all this sort of like safety systems they're adding to cars. And, um, you know, if you were basically the idea was that if you're a good driver and you know, the, the road systems, if they were better in this country, because in the seventies, they really weren't that great. There's still, there's still not a lot of interstate built in the middle of the country. Um, and like it would just make everything better. You know, you'd be able to carry higher speeds. People would be able to get freely quickly from coast to coast. So they decided to see how fast they could do it. And, uh, kind of a weird, I forget the, how they came up with the start and end points, but they just picked, I mean, it makes sense. New York to LA. Yeah. But it's like, it's, uh, the red ball garage, which is still there. It's right in midtown New York. Um, and then it's the, Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach. So it's right near LA. Um, and you think about it, it's kind of crazy to get there. They first did it in under like 35 hours, which is kind of bananas, right? Mm-hmm. 35 hours is very fast. Yeah. And especially considering you have to get out of New York, uh, which is very population dense, and then across the middle of the country, uh, which is very open, and then once you get into California, it's it very congested again into the LA area. So usually you leave like they always do it in the middle of the night uh, to help you get out of New York City. And then uh, I think like the goal is to be somewhere in like Illinois by dawn, which is kind of crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazingly fast. As somebody who's taken a few cross country trips, that's an amazing feat. Yeah. Um, so it's been broken again. Now they, the record, like the really low record, cause for a while there was actually, Alex Roy had did it in like 32 minutes. Um, 32 minutes. Wow. Sorry. 32 hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was probably in the early two thousands, I think mid two thousands. And then it, in 2013, Ed Boland and crew did it in 28 minutes and, 20, sorry, 28 hours and 50 minutes. Right. There's a, a Richard, <clears throat> sorry, a Richard Rawlings record in there at some point, but I think a lot of people don't consider it valid because he wouldn't share the the information with people on how he did it. Correct. Correct. Um, because he all, says he did it. Yeah. A lot of these other guys were very open with like, if they wouldn't share it with obviously with the police or the public, but those who know how to do this drive, they would be willing to share it with them, like their toll receipts and all this stuff and gas mm-hmm. receipts, like proof of, of doing it this fast. 
that's really how it was in like the GPS data in the later years. Actually, in the early right. days with uh, Brock Gates in the book, they talk about the only way they do it was they had to get like either toll receipts or the gas receipts um, and then taking some pictures, you know, on film. And that's how they proved it. But, right. Do they have a, like a time clock in the beginning and end too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so 2013, Ed Bolin and his crew did it in 28 uh, hours and 50 minutes. And then recently, apparently, Arnie Tolman, sorry, Arnie Tolman, yep. who we met at Radwood, LA, uh, Radwood Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah, because he's a, he's a serious Mitsubishi guy. Yeah, he's got that really cool uh, Gallant Sigma. Well, he's he is one of the co-founders of AMS. Yes. Who's really big in the Mitsubishi tuning world. Yes, but he restored his 1988 Gallant I think it was older. I think it was an eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's the either way. It was his mom's. His mom's mom bought a brand new or something. Yeah. So the really French-looking Mitsubishi's of the mid-eighties. Yep. Yeah. It's very a lot of uh, Citroen. Yeah. Styling cues inside and out, right down to the single spoke steering wheel. So anyway, him and Doug Tabbitt and their spotter Berkeley Chadwick, they made the dash in about twenty. Sorry, in twenty-seven hours and twenty-five minutes. On November 10th. Which is insanely fast. Yeah. So, like I said, they did the classic route. Um, they apparently averaged a speed of 103 miles an hour. That's including stops. That's your average speed, yeah. 103 yeah. miles an hour. Oh, wait, wait, no, sorry. That was average moving speed. does not include stops. I think they had that as a, as a caveat to it. Average moving speed was 104. Oh, okay. Included so with stops, it's 103. Okay. I know I'd read that somewhere there was a moving speed average. Yeah. And I think they had a top speed of like 190 or something, which is absolutely insane. I mean, obviously they did it in a fast car. They did it in a uh, AMG something or other. A fairly yeah. new Mercedes-Benz AMG car. The car that was built to cruise the Autobahn. Right. Which obviously the American sold ones have a 155 mile an hour governor that they must have had a uh, software shortcut to get through. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the car had a lot of all the tech. Radar yeah, yeah, like yeah, radar detectors, radar jammers, uh, red light controlling devices, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So which, and they had a they put a 65 gallon fuel tank in it, I think too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, so because they only had 22 minutes of fuel stops. Which is amazing. <laughs> that's that's one stop in a Tesla. <laughs> now. While the can- the cannonball is highly illegal, I find it yes. pretty romantic. Yeah, no, it's a neat uh, it's a neat it's a neat story, and it's one of those things that kind of has a good bit of history with every group of car guys from the seventies till now, because it seems like somebody's always tried to do it. Yeah, and you know, for the, a while, I, this isn't this isn't Arnie's first attempt either. No, he did it a couple years ago in like thirty three hours yeah. in a uh, Ford Crown Victoria. Yeah, like a $500 Crown Victoria. Yeah. Because there was a group for a while that was doing it in crappy cars, and it wasn't necessarily to do it the fastest. It was just to, like, do it. Yeah, I did that. Junk I did cars. That. I did that three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd like to retrace the route. Like, that'd be really cool. Sure. Um, we can make that happen. Maybe that's what we should do for our 200th episode. <laughs> 48 hours of just... <laughs> Podcast, live podcasting. No, we're not going to live podcast the whole time, but we can do a couple. 
I think it's a good idea, actually. I don't want to do it at ultimate speed. I just want to retrace the the original route. No, just cruise cruise across the country. You do it in something. But yeah, so that's th- I have I have I have plans to buy something this year, which would probably come from the East Coast. So we can drive across country in that. Man moves to land of rust free cars, decides to buy them on East Coast. Uh, no, it's not coming from the East Coast. It's coming from a different from a different country, and the port of entry will be the East Coast. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, that is the uh, that is the thought. I, I see. Yes. Um, so yeah, that that's uh that's pretty big automotive news, and uh, I mean not much else is kind of going. It's kind of just the uh, we're getting in the dark days of winter where I am. You've it's still that, got that, stuff going on out there, right? That big lull over there. Yes, I definitely still have stuff going on. So I have a few things I'm prepping to do. Um, I need to move along my Saab so I can get some money to put some suspension in the Eclipse. Yeah. That's that's the plan with that money. Because I would like to do um, the 50-year storm rallies coming up in January, uh, which is a two-day rally, two-day, two-night rally in California. So... We'll see what happens there. So is the is the Saab on Facebook Marketplace? It is. I need to update the listing now that I know more of what's going on with the braking system. Should you just spend the five bucks and throw it on Craigslist? I probably will. I just hadn't done it yet, but now that I have more pictures and more information, I'll do that. I wanted to... Uh, everybody told me the car had no brakes, so I wanted to drive it myself and find out what was going on. Um before I because people were asking me what's wrong with the brakes and I was like I don't know it doesn't have them but it does have brakes it just has that one caliper that's hanging up so what's happening is because the car sat and is currently sitting one of the slide pins on one of the wheels is 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 frozen so when you hit the brakes the first time the pedal goes pretty far down but the second you pump it a second time the brakes work fine so the braking system is functioning Minus one caliper, which is causing it not to have brakes the first time you hit the brakes, which is obviously not ideal. But we're talking about a thousand dollar car, and I don't live anywhere near this car, so somebody else can do the brakes when they buy it, and that's why it's a thousand dollars. So it's a fair price. I think it's a fair price for a car that otherwise is is mechanically really good. And you're disclosing so. that it needs brakes beforehand, so it's like yeah, thousand bucks. And nobody's nobody's got a surprise here. Yeah, exactly. Throw some brakes at it. Right. So and that thousand and that thousand bucks, the price that you can buy a good running driving car is going to buy me the suspension for the Eclipse. So that's uh, that is the plan to buy the same stuff you have for your car because unfortunately, the suspension in that car is pretty worn out. Um, and after I did a, you know, I drove it across country. It was pretty low key, um, just highway cruising. It was a little bit wallowy, but it wasn't unbearably bad. I did that run out here with that beyond phoenix group and we had a couple of spirited passes through the mountains um and when you're mid-turn if you hit any kind of undulation or bump in the road it upsets the car to an almost dangerous level because <laughs> there's not enough dampening left that just the struts are just worn beyond um controlling the car so i do want to change those out before i do anything else with the car and i don't want to even sign up for the rally until I know I'll have suspension for the car because I'm not going to take it otherwise. Because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. And I know there's a lot of dirt roads in that run too. And uh, the dirt roads that I ran here on the local event that I did were no fun with no suspension. So hopefully that'll happen. Maybe, maybe not. 
Um, so events coming up is uh, Radwood LA. Yes, and you will be there. That's actually in four days. Well, two days probably when this podcast comes out. I yeah, uh, yeah so I've uh, we have to be out there for a wedding uh, that's in Malibu. It just happened to be on the same weekend. I was like, well, I guess that works out. Lucky yeah, me. Yeah, perfect. Um, the only problem is that Radwood is in uh, somewhere. It's like west. It's way No, sorry. It's way east of L.A. in a park. I can't remember the name of the park. And then the wedding is in Malibu. And they're like 90 miles between them. Which is going to take me... Um, three hours to do in LA traffic. Listen, if they can drive from New York to California in 27 hours, you can make a point to point in California in three. Sure. Uh, I'll just get that helicopter. Well, whatever you got to do. Yeah. Um, so I can only stay for a limited time at Radwood, but I'll at least go for a little while. Um, and then I'll be kind of bumming around LA on Friday, I think. I'm gonna try to go to. I've never been to Amoeba Music. Oh, it's a great store. Yeah, I'm gonna try to go it's, there. That's one of my favorites, actually. And then maybe uh, her Jerry's Deli is pretty cool. Okay. There's a lot of like New York style delis out there. Yeah, There's probably. Like displaced a lot of, New Yorkers. A lot of New Yorkers move out there. And I like uh, I like a good New York deli. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So if anyone's in the LA area on Friday, you want to hang out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there. I have some family business to attend to here, um, so that's not gonna that's not gonna help. But I will be at the uh, all Volkswagen um, air cooled cars and coffee Sunday morning here. Oh, is that so, at four till four? It is not. Where is that? It is it is at a different place, and I wasn't prepared to talk about it. So there you go. Okay, it's at, um, I don't know, the coffee bean, uh, the human grind. You would uh, rather just give wrong information than correct information? Um, uh, something, so it something is coffee, at... something hipster coffee house in a shipping container. <laughs> well, you were wrong. <laughs> so it's at Phoenix Public Market. Okay. Um, and there's free coffee. Okay. Uh, and it's all air-cooled Volkswagens and Porsches. Oh, that's cool. And that is this Sunday at 7 a.m. Nice. So I will be there for sure. And actually, I'm planning on going because I can't get out of town, but I, I'm not completely tied down. I probably will be going to the Pavilion Show this Saturday night, too. So haven't haven't brought the Eclipse down there yet, so that will be the first, first time for that. So. Cool. Listen to all your wing dinga music down there. Whatever. Car, cult, car, car culture is strong here, and uh, I intend to participate in as much of it as possible. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. This week, Andrew, we can wrap it up there. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. All right. All right. So, as always, follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Me on Instagram, Erased in Anger. And uh, TSS350. Yes, T-S-I-S-S-3-5-0. Cool. Keep cars analog and aim for the roses.